you know, we're raising in excess of $6 million, $7 million a month in capital, um, growing by more than 30, 40% a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, the, the, the cadence is pretty high. Uh, we're launching another offering on Monday by an artist named Kusama. So, um, you know, it's, it's basically one offering every two weeks between one and $10 million of painting. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Scott Lin. He's the founder of Masterworks, the first company to allow investors to buy shares representing ownership, follow me here, of great masterpieces like by artists like Warhol, Monet, and Banksy. Scott has been an active collector of contemporary art for more than 15 years and has built an internationally recognized collection of abstract impressionism that has included works by a lot of big name artists. And because I can't pronounce their names, that's how you know they're very good. Scott, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Let's I'm reading your bio going, okay, I'm going to butcher every one of these. Let me let me pass it off to Scott. So let's just be clear before we get into your backstory and how you built this company. I can give you a thousand bucks and you can give me almost like an index of art from all these companies or all these artists. Yeah, you, you can give us money and we can give you interest in a specific painting. Interesting. So, we, so we're really the first company to fractionalize ownership um, in great works of art. And try and the best you can make this real for like software founders and investors listening right now. If if it, like, is this an asset class they should consider in their portfolio? Yeah. So I think I think the really interesting thing about art is if you if you think about it at a very high level, the total size of the asset class is one point seven trillion dollars. Um, if you look at the performance of that asset class, uh, at least for for the majority of art created, it's outperformed the S and P. Uh, and we did a we did a research study with Citibank in 2019 that concluded that it was also uncorrelated. So when you think about the definition of a strategic asset class, it's something that beats inflation and is uncorrelated. And art art clearly be, meets both of those criteria. So we believe it has a role in, in every portfolio. Me playing devil's advocate for a second with the Fed building their balance sheet from 0.2 trillion to today eight nine maybe ten trillion by the end of the year with all these stimulus basically money being printed there's more liquidity with a lot of that going to big corporations doing stock buybacks making invest you know wealthy investors more wealthy they have more money to put towards things like art wouldn't that um, kind of artificially drive up art as an asset class because just there's more money flowing. I mean, we think that our prices are probably mostly correlated to global ultra wealth creation. So, so when you look at these paintings that are over a million dollars or $10 million for that matter, 
Um, they're collected by ultra wealthy people living around the world, um, not really in any specific country. So it, it really tends to follow how that segment of the population behaves. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do think some of the current policies could push up our prices theoretically. Um, it's one of the reasons why we see a lot of our investors like moving into gold recently as well. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me, let me make this like super real for a second. I'm on masterworks.io. I see a piece by Monet. It says purchase price, $310,000 sale price, 16 million total return 51 X over 41 years. Have you or masterworks, you you bought this piece 41 years ago for 300. Like, how does it actually work? Who holds inventory? Yeah. So, so you're actually looking at, um, what we call it a price database. So we have a research team of 25 interns that have went out and collected over 80,000 paintings that have been bought and sold at public auction. And then what the returns have been on those, those particular artworks for collectors. So it's really, that's, that's a unique way of trying to understand what returns have been in the art market uh, over the past several decades. So those aren't offerings that, that we've currently done, but um, you know, we've done, I think now we've done 14 to 15 different, different offerings between one and $10 million per painting. Uh, we're launching about one offering every two weeks now. So that's, that's roughly the cadence of, of the platform. And so like, give me the example of the last kind of offering that you did. Are you actually going out and raising capital to buy the thing and then projecting a appreciation over time and what the returns could be? Yep. So like the last example of, um, an offering you did was three days ago. It's an artist named Pierre Soulage. He's probably the most important living painter in France. He's actually, uh, I think 101, 102 years old. Um, we launched the offering on Monday. We sold it out on Tuesday. Uh, to six or seven hundred people, I think it was a one one million dollar offering. Interesting. And these people are you're you're essentially almost like a fund raising money from LPs at this point. You're pitching them a what sort of IRR, something greater than the market over forty fifty years. Yeah. So we, we report to investors what the historical appreciation rate has been on each of those paintings, and we do that by looking at comparables. So just like real estate, we look at you know comparable um, examples by that artist over time and what they sold for. And then we calculate a historical appreciation rate. Interesting. Okay, let's get more into your backstory here. And, and we'll tease with where you've grown it today. So sum up kind of current status. How many deals have you done? And what's the total GMV of all those placements? You know, I should know that exact number. We um, or range. Growing, yeah, growing so fast now. I think, I think um, you know, we're raising in excess of $6 million, $7 million a month in capital, um, growing by more than 30, 40% a month. Mm-hmm. Um so it's, you know, the, the, the cadence is pretty high. Uh, we're launching another offering on Monday by an artist named Kusama. So, um, you know, it's, it's basically one offering every two weeks between one and $10 million of painting. And how many offerings have you done so far? I, I think it's 13 or 14. I'm not sure. Okay. That exactly. And when was the first one? So we did, you know, this was a, this was a really unique financial product. So, uh, all of our offerings are filed with the SEC. They're, they're technically public offerings. Um, so we filed our first offering with the SEC maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Okay. Took us nearly nearly a year and a half to get that through the SEC um, just because they'd really never seen a product like this. Um, so there's lots of commenting on, on the offering. But uh, after we got the first one through, the cadence has, has been much faster. And when did you start first thinking about this idea? You know, I first started thinking about the idea kind of in, I guess, the, uh, you know, the... Um, when blockchain was really, really hyped up. Oh, we got a crypto guy on, huh? You have yeah, not, not a crypto guy, but, I, okay. but I, do, I do like the idea of securitizing different asset classes. To me, I, I think the thing that's so, so interesting about art 
So you have this massive asset class, but up until Masterworks, there's, there's literally, there hasn't been any way to invest in it. So the, the only way you could allocate to it is to go out and buy a one to $10 million painting, which some people do, but, but obviously that's not really accessible to most people. So the, you know, the, the, the concept of Masterworks was just taking this asset class, which historically has outperformed and making it accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So 2018, you first filed, it sounds like 2019 because the length of the approvals when your first offering went out, uh, you've done about 13 to date. So over the last kind of 18 to 24 months and your cadence today is about 6 million per month, one to two, one, two new offerings every two, four weeks and 30% month over month growth. Yep. Sounds about right. Bootstrapped or did you decide to raise? Yeah, it's bootstrapped. So this is my, uh, I think ninth or 10th company now. So it's, you know, started out in online advertising, um, went into FinTech and this is the, uh, the latest business. So just use, use my own money to start it. Mm-hmm. Were there significant startup costs outside of legal fees with the SEC filings and things like that? Yeah. I mean, the business today is, um, I think around 30 employees. So, you know, we're, we're scaling that quickly. Um, you know, still not profitably yet, but hope, hope to be profitable this year. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about revenues. How do you make money? So we make money very similar to how a hedge fund makes money, which is, which is on a one and a half percent per year, uh, management fee plus 20% of the profit when a painting, painting sells. Um, fairly straightforward. How do you make sure to resist the urge to essentially day trade paintings to take the 20% of profits versus holding over a longer period of time where there might be even extraordinarily more gains? Yeah, it's, it's really hard in this asset class to day trade paintings. You know, it's hard to buy a $10 million Picasso and then, then sell it a month later for $12 million. Uh, so uh, we, we really tell investors to think of these as long-term investments, right? These are three to seven-year holds. But when you look at the performance of some of these these artists um, overall, you know, we, we tend to see returns anywhere between 8% a year and 30% a year. Um, so the returns are very interesting so long as someone can can hold the, the investment for a longer period of time. Interesting. Okay. So at one to 10 million kind of per offering, you've done 13 today, you know, you have north of 13 million quote unquote under management, right. With potentially as much as what, like a hundred million, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think at this point we're over 30 million, uh, maybe more than that under management. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and, and so why this pricing model, why treat this like a hedge fund? Well, I mean, we, we fundamentally believe that, that our interest should be aligned with investors, right? I mean, we, we are very focused in finding the best investment opportunities that we can in this asset class. Um, so I think that's just a, just a fee model that investors understand. Um, you know, theoretically, I guess we could price it differently, but, but, but that's kind of a commonly accepted, um, pricing structure. So if someone's listening to this right now, they're a software company. You know, I, I've interviewed a lot of software companies like Frank Bean from Looker right before he sold to Google for $2.6 billion. Let's say Frank is still listening and he's going, I got a bunch of money to play with. H- how do you recommend, like, I mean, do they just, how does it work? Do they go to Masterworks, they connect their bank account and say, I want to put X amount in or how's it work? Yeah. So they go to Masterworks. They, they have to schedule a, a call with their membership team. Um, so we speak to hundred percent of investors that, that are on the platform. We, we don't really believe in the in a self-serve model, in part just because people don't really understand the asset class. Of course, it's new, yeah. Uh, so we have 63,000 people on the platform today that, that we've done that with. Um, and we talk them, we really talk them through, I, I guess, how to think about different segments of the art market, how to think about returns, how to think about risk. Um, and then we work with them on, on what percentage of an allocation they think makes sense for their, their individual portfolio. Mm-hmm. So that's 63,000 folks on the platform. How do you define on the platform? Have, have all those people put in at least a dollar into a piece of art? 
Yeah. So those are people who come to the platform, um, you know, schedule a call with their membership team. They, they may or may have not invested. Uh, you know, I think our active investors now are somewhere above 10,000, but, but not it's pretty not high. Con- 63 to 10,000 is still pretty high conversion rate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we've had really good reception with the business just because people love the idea of investing in this asset class and there really hasn't been a way to, uh, up until now. This is very interesting. Get, okay, so give me more of your back. So you bootstrapped company. You were in ad tech and then fintech. Yeah, so I started my I started my first company. I was actually a, a gaming company for uh, you know your, your listeners who are uh, a bit older, but we we built the most popular game on the internet in like ninety seven ninety eight. Which was so I, did, uh, do, I don't know if you remember the Punch the Monkey banners. Interesting. Uh, I have no idea. I was young. I would have been like <laughs> ten. You look. <laughs> so I'm I'm 40 now. So I'm unfortunately I'm the older than most people in the industry. But uh, yeah, so I you know I did that in high school and um, uh, you know grew that company to to a pretty sizable company when I was 19, 20 years old, um, and then left that started a company called Ad Knowledge. Well, I mean, what is sizable? We're talking like millions and millions or what? Yeah, I mean, I think it was 140, 150 employees. You know, doing 80, 90 million a year in revenue. Yeah, high uh, margins. Yeah, very profitable business. I mean, we I think we were one of the very few companies during the dot com boom that was, you know, making, you know, close to a million dollars a month in, in EBITDA. And you uh, got out you got out in time or did you go through the crash? You know, we went through the crash. So that that was a uh, that was an interesting learning experience. So we had a we had a pretty big profitable business that um, that for a whole bunch of reasons, mainly most of our advertisers were dot com companies. Uh, ultimately didn't ultimately didn't survive that that cycle. Um, but then, then from that really moved into online advertising, sort of a whole string of, of different online advertising companies, um, prior to, to masterworks, sort of a company called payability, um, which, which essentially is, is, uh, finances, e-commerce sellers. Um, but so are, you know, familiar, guess, are you familiar with ClearBank? Yeah. So uh, is, the mo- is the model going to work? Uh, <laughs> I think, I think it's an interesting business. I, I don't know. Nah, come on. You're being nice. Is the model going to work? You know, I think a lot of these companies in in today's dynamics are are, are struggling, depending on who they've loaned money to. Um, I think payability is really unique because we've we've lent money to e-commerce sellers, which right now are counter-cyclical, right? So um, e-commerce is on fire, but traditional retail is really really struggling. Um, but I guess that this is my long-winded way of saying, like, throughout, throughout this whole period, I've actually been collecting art. So I started collecting art when I was nineteen, uh, really with my very first company. And have built now an important collection in the U.S., um, probably a, a top 100 collection by artists like Pollock, Rothko, Klein, de Kooning, um, sort of well-known names. And really appreciated just the, the, the financial aspects of the asset class. Um, but have also appreciated that, you know, the art world, even though $68 billion a year sells in art, it's, it's really a small community of several thousand people who are ultra wealthy. Um, and there's not a good way for, for most people to access the asset class. Yeah, no, it's fine. I and mean, what originally got you into art? Yeah, I get that question all the time. I mean, the truth is, I, I, you know, I had a mom who was an amateur artist. Oh, okay. Books, you know, uh, the, yeah. When did you buy it, your first piece? How old were you? I was 19. And, and at that time, the art market wasn't, you know, it wasn't really as, as financially oriented as it, as it is today. I mean, there weren't even... 97, 98? Yeah, I mean, there weren't even online price databases, right? So you couldn't even search auction records for what things were selling for. So it really was much more of like a connoisseur collector market. Um, but it's quickly evolved into a, to an asset class that a lot of people, um, are pretty serious about. 
Yeah, this is this is super interesting. So you okay? So you're buying more art. I mean, everyone just saw the Billions episode. They see how they see how he he's essentially you know brought in this artist to make sure the other hedge fund guy doesn't go get him. Uh, and and I mean, is that I mean, is it accurate? Have you seen that episode? And if so, is that sort of world accurate? Yeah, I, I I don't watch billions, but I, but it, the world is definitely accurate. Yeah, interesting. So there will be people where they they value an, an artist so much where they will just go through ridiculous lengths to get exclusive pieces done for them. Yeah. Oh, oh you're talking about commissions. I don't know. Um, see, I don't know what it's actually called. I'm not well educated in the space. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about commissions, but like the other day, um, you know, it's just announced. So it was quoted in an article um, uh, in I think the New York Post about. Uh, Ken Griffin buying a painting from Peter Brand for $110 million, uh, you know, kind of during this whole economic cycle. So like there's definitely a lot of money in the art world that chases really good objects um, pretty frequently. Anyone you're competing with? You know, the, the great thing about Masterworks is we don't we don't really. So if you think about an average collector, right, like you know, me as a personal collector, right, like I collect mid-century abstract expressionism. There's a couple of artists that I don't own that I want to add to my collection, but my, my focus is really narrow because I'm focused on building out a collection. In Masterworks, we don't really have that focus, right? We're just we're just in the market to buy things that we think are great value and will appreciate well over time. So we have 40 artists, um, roughly, that we're focusing on this year. And and that gives us the, the opportunity to really be, um, I guess, value-focused when we're buying and also just have a wider range of opportunities that we're looking at at any point in time. Mm-hmm. How do you store these things? I, mean, I assume you don't just, I see one hanging on the wall behind your head. I assume you don't hang a $20 million painting on the wall in your Aspen place, you know, just sit there, do you put it in storage or what do you do? Yeah. I mean, for Masterworks, m- most of the art today is in storage. We, we have a gallery in Soho that, um, that people, you know, that our investors come into and they can actually see the works. Um, but the reality is over time, we, we want to lend out most of that work to institutions, museums, uh, that people can go and see it publicly. Yeah, that's very interesting. Okay, anything else? This is a fascinating story. Anything else I missed that you want to touch on before we wrap up? No, I mean, I think you covered it. I mean, the, the only other thing about the platform that, that we're excited about recently is um, we just launched secondary markets. So people are now trading shares and paintings just like they trade shares in companies. Um, so that's also kind of a, a cool feature of the platform. Uh, you can come in, you can buy, you, know, you can invest in a particular offering, and, and then we're seeing investors uh, kind of trade out of those investments three, six months later. Yeah, it's fascinating to see what you've done where you've got these risk classifications, A, B, and C. You've got the auction histories, you know, the more history, obviously, the higher or, or the, you know, closer to the A that they get. I mean, you're essentially securitizing to an extent or collateralizing the R market. Yeah, we're trying to. Yeah, yeah. Very. In- How long until you get to, you know, a billion in, under, under management? I mean, the business is growing so fast now. It's really, it's really interesting. I mean, we didn't, in, in particular with Corona, we, I mean, I can't figure, we, we talk about it a lot internally. We can't figure out exactly if it's counter-cyclical, but we've just had a huge influx of interest over the past six months, um, really across the board. So we, we can definitely see a world where, you know, it's pretty easy to 10x where we are today. Um, you know, we're doing two, 300 membership interviews a day with investors now. You know, I can I can see that growing to a couple thousand a day. So it's uh, it's kind of blocking and tackling mm-hmm. from now. Yeah, very good. Guys, there you have it. Scott Lynch, they filed their first uh, issue with the SEC back in 2018 to essentially take a piece of art public in a sense, uh, i.e. let people uh, invest in it that are not buying the whole painting for under $10 million, but maybe only putting in a million or 10000 or something like that. Today, they don't, they've done over 13 offerings. They've grown the company to 30 employees. The way they make money is they take a 1.5% per year management fee plus 20% of the profits. They've got caught about $30 million under management right now. All this by a successful entrepreneur that started off with a 
Punch the Monkey Banners game back in 1997. A hugely profitable business. He was 19, bought his first piece of art back then and has scaled now into this world of art. Six to eight billion per year uh, changing hands. He wants to be a big part of it. Scott, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan.